Monday, Sabbath day. I believe that every sermon should be based on scripture, so if you will turn to Esther, the fourth chapter, and verse 14, we find a very dramatic statement from the word of God. Who knoweth? Now notice the words. Who knoweth? Whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. There is not a doubt in my mind this morning that the book of Esther was recorded in sacred history for our admonition. The book of Esther tells of a plan of Ahasuerus to exterminate every living Jew in the then known world. From this experience, we can fully comprehend just what is about to happen to every Seventh-day Adventist in the soon coming end time crisis. Would you consider briefly with me this morning what happened in the day of Queen Esther? You remember Mordecai had not caused Haman any harm. He had simply refused to show Haman a worshipful reverence. So Haman gave false statements to the king in his anger, who in turn issued a decree that every Jew was to be killed in a worldwide massacre on a given date. Inspiration, however, tells us that Satan was the hidden instigator of this scheme for he wanted to rid the earth of Sabbath keepers. But how wonderful it is, our God who knows and understands in his providence, Esther, a Jewish, who feared the living God, was made the queen of Medo-Persia. Mordecai, a near relative to the queen, decided to appeal to Esther that she venture into the monarch's presence, even though forbidden to do so, and this might cause her death. Listen to the words of Mordecai to Esther. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such an hour as this? Both Esther and Mordecai realized that all was absolutely hopeless, unless God would intervene and work mightily. Today, God's commandment-keeping people are seen as a Mordecai in the gate of this world, who are refusing to show worshipful reverence to that idle Sunday and observe it. Again, inspiration tells us that Satan will arouse the majority who accept popular customs and traditions, that they will join with the lawless and the very vile to destroy Sabbath keepers. Now listen very carefully to what Seventh-day Adventists are actually up against in the very near future. Patriarchs, uh, Prophets and Kings, 605. Well. Genius, 
education will combine to cover them with contempt. Persecuting rulers, ministers, church members will combine against them with voice and pen by boasts and threats and ridicule they will seek to overthrow their faith by false represent misrepresentations and angry appeals men will stir up the passions of the people now since these enemies of the truth have no quote thus saith the scripture unquote they will bring against the advocates of the true sabbath oppressive enactments again i read on page 606 on this battlefield will be fought the last great conflict are you ready for it do we have any idea what is coming will you permit me this morning to pull back the prophetic curtain and show you what god has already revealed as to what is about to happen remember great controversy 605 says the sabbath will be the great test of loyalty again i read on page 607 of great controversy speaking of the sunday keeping churches these words quote they will appeal to the strong arm of civil power and in this work papists and protestants unite now let's put that together sabbath keepers will be opposed by all protestant churches are you ready for this and all catholic churches under the leadership of the man of sin this union is now being developed before our very eyes day by day in what we know today as the ecumenical movement this is its purpose why is it that we're so asleep they plan to pass laws to force sabbath keepers to keep sunday that will be the eventual plan not only that we would keep sunday sacred but i read again on page 639 of great controversy they will compel god's people to profane his sabbath do you understand what that means now i'm sure that there are those of you here this morning that say in your heart brother nelson how in the world could this take place in america why we have the constitution and the constitution provides us absolute protection to worship as we choose i want to tell you how it's going to happen the american people are sound asleep did you realize and perhaps you never even thought of it this week as napa was voted and will be finished up shortly that this is a part of the new world order do you recognize that in revelation 17:12 where it speaks of the last division of this world into 10 divisions who will give their power to the beast that what happened this week in congress 
was part of that plan because they had divided the world into ten sections and one of the sections is that the United States and Canada and Mexico will be a part of that ten divisions. Do we realize we're living in the very last days? This is why the spirit of prophecy has told us that we are asleep. We Seventh-day Adventists go about every day in our business, in our plans. Somehow we don't realize that we are in the end time. Sister White uses these words, and may I use them this morning, that soon we shall be faced with an overwhelming surprise. And then she tells us in volume 8, page 28, since transgression has almost reached its limit, confusion fills the world and a great terror is soon to come upon human beings. Are you ready for a time when you're, you're just frozen with fear? A great terror is going to come. And you know, maybe we sit up and think when we are told in Malachi Martin's book, The Keys of This Kingdom, that Mary has told the Pope, and we know what power that is that's speaking to him, that there will come a great cataclysmic event that will bring such terror on this world that the people will arise and ask the Pope to rule over them. When the devil says there's terror coming and when God says there's terror coming, we ought to wake up. The end is very near, I'm continuing to read. We who know the truth should be preparing for what is soon to break upon this world as an overwhelming surprise. Consider with me now very carefully what I am about to bring to you. I suppose there has been no alarming prediction in the spirit of prophecy that is so great as that in which I read in volume 5, page 451, our country shall repudiate every principle of its constitution and republican government. I'm going to shock you this morning to tell you it has already happened. It is being fulfilled before our eyes. Do you know that in 1955, we have, since that date, we have been living in a nation that is no longer considered as a world Republican government, for the United States is now an integral part of the United Nations, which is the new world order. Have we been asleep? And the laws of the United States are being changed every day to supersede our Constitution from the United Nations laws. Day by day, our laws are being changed to conform to the United Nations laws. You're going to say, well, I find this very hard to believe, Brother Nelson, and so did I until I recently discovered the following, and I'm going to read to you now 
from our Constitution, Article 4. And you can go over here to the library and read it yourself. I'm quoting, This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made, or which shall be made, under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land. And the judges in every state shall be bound thereby anything in the Constitution or laws or any state to the contrary notwithstanding. This tells us that our Constitution says that if we ever make any other treaties, that they supersede the Constitution. Now, let me give you some undisputed facts. In 1945, almost 50 years ago, the United States of America, under the authority of Article 4, which I have just read, signed the United Nations Treaty. When Harry S. Truman, our president, signed the Charter of the United Nations, with the advice and the consent of the U.S. Senate. How could we as a nation have been so stupid? I'll tell you why. The men that were leading this nation felt that we could always keep the Constitution because we had a veto power. Veto power. In the Security Council, if we didn't agree, if we felt that it was contrary to our Constitution, we could veto it. And one veto could stop it. But what our men overlooked was what was found in Article 25 of the United Nations, in which it says member nations agree to accept and carry out the decisions of the Security Council in accord with, notice the word, present charter. This implied that there would be other charters that would follow. Now, the veto power proved to be a hindrance to what the New World Government wanted to do, and it had to be circumvented. And so what did they do? In 1950, the General Assembly met and adopted a new resolution which expanded the power of the General Assembly making it above the Security Council. You see what's happening? And would you believe it? Our government, the United States of America, recognized this amended charter as, and this is what it says, the law of the world, which overrides our Constitution. So that now the General Assembly of the United Nations can make any law it chooses if two-thirds of the world governments agree, overriding our Constitution. Now, let me tell you what this means. It means that the United States must ignore, abolish, revise, rescind any law 
of our nation which conflicts with any law that the United Nations proposes. Think of it. In other words, the veto power is no more. We today are living in America subject to any law which will be passed by the United Nations with a two-thirds majority. And may I remind you that most of the nations that belong are Catholic nations. No wonder the following speech, which I'm going to give to you word for word, was given before the United States Senate. If you think I am misleading you, this was given by Carl B. Ricks, who was the president of the American Bar Association, and he ought to know. And this is what he said, and I'm quoting this, and you can find it in the United States Congressional Record, number A3220. Here is what he says now. Congress is no longer bound by its constitutional system of delegated powers. Its only test is under the obligatory power of human rights, civil, political, economical, social, and cultural. And these are found in Article 55 and 56 of the Charter of the United Nations. And I want to tell you, no one in the Congress stood up and disagreed. Listen to what he said. A charter that has been ratified, I'm quoting, and approved a treaty. Congress may now legislate as an uninhibited body with no shackles of a delegated power under the Constitution. It's gone. I want to tell you, we ought to be startled. This is what Sister White said would happen. We would repudiate everything in our Constitution, and it has been done. What are they waiting for? Waiting for the United States to come to its knees in total bankruptcy. And when they realize that the people are in a desperate, in a situation of terror in this United States, then this world power will bring a law which will say the only thing that will save us is to worship on Sunday. And I want to tell you, it can happen anytime. You may not be awake of what's happening. This government knows that there are thousands who are not even Adventists, I'm not talking about us, who when they see their liberties are gone are going to arise, there's going to be bloodshed. That's why they're spending $32 billion this week to have 100,000 new policemen to take care of the situation. You know, we sit back and we listen to these news. Don't we realize that the plot is being carefully planned for the final crisis? Oh, thank God that Sister White told us our country shall repudiate every principle of its constitution and republican government. 
Why are we so asleep? But that's not all. I read here that Satan has some other plans. He's going to bring disease and disaster. I'm reading Great Controversy 589 until popular cities are reduced to ruin and desolation. In accidents, calamities, in great conflagrations, in fierce tornadoes, in terrific hailstorms, in tempests, in floods, in cyclones, in tidal waves, in earthquakes, in every place, in a thousand forms, Satan is exercising his power. Why? What's he up to? Because he is going to soon say that all these things are being caused by Seventh-day Adventists. Let me read it to you. Great Controversy 590. The great deceiver will persuade men that all who serve God are causing these evils. The class that have provoked the displeasure of heaven will charge all their troubles upon those whose obedience to the God's commandment is a perpetual reproof to transgressors. It will be declared that men are offending God by violating the Sunday Sabbath, which will not cease until Sunday observance shall be strictly enforced. And those who present the claims of the fourth commandment, thus destroying reverence for Sunday, are the troublers of the people, preventing their restoration to divine favor and temporal prosperity. Did you notice these last words? You know, did you see Time magazine that just came out? It said, where have all the jobs gone? Open it up in great big letters. It says they are gone forever. When the leading magazine in the United States says that, Watch out what's going to happen. There is going to be trouble in this United States the like you have never seen. I heard a man this last week on television say we are faced with anarchy. That's a terrible word. But did you notice that Sister White uses that word? And listen how she uses it. Those who honor the Bible Sabbath will be denounced as enemies of the law and order, as breaking down the moral restraints of society, causing anarchy. And calling down the judgments of God upon the earth. Oh, brothers and sisters. Am I scaring you this morning? I, I, I hope so. In just a little time, it's not going to be like it is today. Are we going to be faithfully keeping the Sabbath day when the whole world is against us? Do you realize what it will take to live in this new world order? that will come under the control of the man of sin, who will direct the ecumenical movement 
to exterminate you? Why are we the blunt of all this trouble? I'll tell you why. We are the only cause left in this world that is an obstacle for Satan to rule the world. Had you ever thought of that? No wonder the devil is going to go about like a roaring lion. Do you realize what it's going to be when this man of sin takes control of the United Nations? For it tells us that these ten divisions in Revelation 17, verse 12, it says they are going to give their power to the beast. Now I want to read something this morning that you're going to talk about for weeks. I found this in a book entitled, Behold a Pale Horse. This book was published in 1991 by a man by the name of Mil Milton William Cooper. He was a former United States intelligence officer. This book is published in Sedona, Arizona, P.O. Box 1495, by the Light Technology Publishing Company, and it has one of the most astonishing statements. Listen. I'm reading from page 89. In the early 1940s, the I.G. Farben Chemical Company employed a Polish salesman who sold cyanide to the Nazis for use in Auschwitz. The same salesman also worked as a chemist in the manufacture of the poison gas. This same cyanide gas, along with Zeklon B and myothylin, was used to exterminate millions of Jews and other people. Their bodies were then burnt to ashes in the ovens. After the war, this salesman, fearing for his life, joined the Catholic Church and was ordained as a priest in 1946. The salesman was ordained Poland's youngest bishop in 1958. After a 30-day reign, his predecessor was assassinated, and our ex-Sinide gas salesman assumed the papacy as Pope John Paul II. Are you ready for this man to rule over the United Nations? The Pope has challenged world leaders by claiming that the people of the world already have recognized the absolute authority of Rome because they observe Sunday Sabbath that was ordered by the Pope in the Council of Laodicea, A.D. 364. 
The original Ten Commandments given by Moses by God ordered that we should remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. One more paragraph. The seventh day, the Sabbath, as handed to Moses by God, is Saturday. The celebration of Sunday as the Sabbath is a verification that the people recognize the Pope as being superior to God. Did you get that? I want to tell you, we are going to be in for a time of trouble never had we have dreamed of. In evangelism, I used to preach to the people a time of trouble is coming. But God must have put a blinder over my eyes. This time of trouble is coming to the church. Every Seventh-day Adventist is going to be persecuted. Will we submit to a new world order and keep Sunday and receive the mark of the beast? Or will we give our allegiance to the divine authority of God by keeping the Seventh-day Sabbath holy and receive the seal of the eternal God? Remember what it says, prophets and kings, on this battlefield will be fought the last great conflict in the controversy between truth and error. Will we stand as did Esther? and publicly say, who knows that I've come to the world for such a time as this? If I perish, I perish. I will keep the law of God. But I want to ask you something now. Since this is the great test that's coming, there must be some drastic changes in the way you and I are keeping the Sabbath day if we're going to die for it. The Sabbath day is not a fun day, F-U-N, as Sunday keepers keep it today in Sunday keeping. The devil is out after us as never before to ensnare us Sabbath keepers and turning our minds from the Holy Sabbath day so that many of us are keeping the Sabbath day like the Sunday fun worshipers. You know, recently I was pleading with an Adventist youth. He's a baptized member of a church. He goes to one of our colleges. I was concerned because this young man feels that the Sabbath is a fun day. He told me that he goes rock climbing, snow skiing, thinks nothing of hiking eight to ten miles on the Sabbath day, 
And these, by the way, are all perfectly excellent outdoor pleasure activities in recreation. But is it Sabbath-keeping? Then I turned to the scriptures and I read this young man, Isaiah 58, 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And immediately this young man became defensive. Why, he said, Mr. Nelson, the Sabbath was made to have a good time. And uh, he said, you know, and may I tell you that when men, young men and women get to the age where they're in college, making A grades, as this fellow does, they're no dumbbells. They can comprehend what's going on. And then he told me, you know, and he wasn't attending this school, but he knew what was going on. He said, did you know that in La Sierra University, that the administrators are taking the young people out on Sabbath afternoon to do good things in the community? Sounds good, doesn't it? Then he described, he said the young people go out with picks and shovels and saws and hammers, with paintbrushes, with lawnmowers and rakes, to repair the broken windows and the doors and to paint the buildings and fix up the yards of these poor people who are too old to get out and do it anymore. Oh. This work has been highly praised and written up in the Riverside City because the Los Air University is within its confines. Oh, how wonderful is these young people are doing this in the community. But is it Sabbath-keeping when it can be done on any other day of the week? Then this young man made this statement to me. If this is Sabbath-keeping, so is my hiking, my snow skiing, my rock climbing, and all the rest of it. And he was right, if that's Sabbath-keeping. God be merciful to our youth who are being misled today by the very ministers of this denomination who someday will face the wrath of God because they are teaching our young people to break the Seventh-day Sabbath. And what about using the Sabbath to do your schoolwork, fix up your term papers, preparing for examinations and making out book reports? Volume 4, page 114. You have desecrated the Sabbath by bringing your studies into the holy time which is not yours to occupy for your own purposes. God hath said, In it thou shalt not do any work. Now let's bring it home. What about our social lives? Now the spirit of prophecy includes us to gather together on Sabbath afternoon to enrich 
each other in a time of fellowship and singing and prayer and study. But does this make it right for those who are attending our church in various places after the 11 o'clock service to drive to their favorite restaurant and to purchase meals and then spend the afternoon socializing? Beloved, this is not Sabbath keeping. It is a sin, and sin will keep you out of heaven. Little by little, the devil is getting Seventh-day Adventists to compromise the most glorious truth in the Bible, the Seventh-day Sabbath. And even our medical institutions are being entrapped. I just learned that one of our large hospitals has authorized its operating room to be fully staffed on the Seventh-day Sabbath to take care of all types of surgery which have been scheduled during the week to be performed on the Sabbath day. You know, isn't it strange when the need for money becomes the predominating factor that helps us to rationalize God's commandments. Can we honestly give the three angels' message to the world and say, come out of Babylon? And then we don't keep the seventh-day Sabbath ourselves? Think it over. In the book Medical Ministry that was written for our medical institutions and our doctors and nurses are these words, page 214. Often physicians are called upon on the Sabbath to minister to the sick. Then are these words, but ordinary treatment, operations that can wait, should be deferred until the next day. When will we learn, or must we wait until God's wrath will be poured out? Thank God for our doctors, godly doctors and nurses. We have them in our church here. Praise God for them. We have the most wonderful people who are following, as we read in Desire of Ages, page 207, the necessities of life must be attended to, the sick must be cared for, the wants of the needy must be supplied. He will not hold us guiltless who neglects to relieve suffering on the Sabbath. God's holy rest day was made for man. The acts of mercy are in perfect harmony with its intent. God does not desire his creatures to suffer one hour's pain that may be relieved upon the Sabbath. And then comes these words in Patriarchs and Prophets 307. Acts of necessity and mercy are permitted on the Sabbath. The sick and the suffering are to at all times to be cared for. But unnecessary labor is to be strictly avoided. What about when we get together to visit on the Sabbath afternoon? We're encouraged to do this, that we may sing and study and discuss spiritual themes, 
But is this a time for us to get together and talk about business deals? About our farming activities? Or about the household repairs that we have made or that we are going to make? And the commandment includes all within our gates. Those who discuss Patriarchs and Prophets 307, business matters on or lay plans on the Sabbath are regarded by God as though engaged in the actual transactions of these business. To keep the Sabbath holy, we should not even allow our minds to dwell upon things of an unholy character. Now, I must confess this week that as I studied, I was hit squarely between the eyes. I've got some changing to do, lots of changing regarding my Sabbath conversations. Here I am talking to you about students, how they should keep the Sabbath, how our doctors and nurses should keep the Sabbath, how our institutions should keep it. And there are directions for ministers also. Volume 2, 703. The example of ministers especially should be circumspent in this respect. Upon the Sabbath, they should conscientiously restrict themselves to conversation upon religious themes, to present truths, present duty, Christian hopes and fears, trials, conflicts, afflictions, and to overcoming at last, and the reward that is to be received. By God's grace, I'm going to make some changes. What about you? Let me give you some guidelines. I was interested as I read in the books of the spirit of prophecy that the sabbath day is to be a day of delight then she uses the word a joyful day a most interesting day and then those words the sweetest day of all i like that it's something we should look forward to and did you know ladies that she tells us in ministry of healing 308 it is well that on the sabbath to provide something that will be regarded as a treat? Something the family does not have every day? When you are fixing the noonday meal planning, do you have a treat this Sabbath? This will especially be helpful to teach our children that it is a special day. And the Sabbath is a day for us to do the following. And I'm not going to give all the references, but may I make a suggestion this afternoon? Why don't you go home, eat, and then get out the books, the index, and read what Sister White says, how to keep the Sabbath. If you don't have it, call up your neighbor, the other Adventists that live nearby, and say, do you have these things? Can we come over? Let's get together and read this this afternoon. Listen, here's what it says. The Sabbath is a time for us to help the needy with food and clothing. It's a time to walk in the fields and the groves to behold God's handiwork. Sure, it's cold. Put on a heavy jacket. Put the longies on. 
Get out there and see what God has made. It says to discuss the flowers, the trees, the shrubs. And oh, I like this, the sounds of nature. Go ahead and sit down by a brook and listen to that water as it bubbles along. Stop and listen to the wind blowing through those pine cones and those needles. It's beautiful. Then it says, spend time to study the coming Sabbath school lesson. You wondered what to do Sabbath afternoon? Had you thought of that? Spend the afternoon to review the Sabbath sermon notes you have taken. Have you been taking notes today? If you'd really like to get something out of this, go home and review it in your mind. It will plant it in there. That's what you do when you go to college. You take the notes and then you go back to your room and you study them. That's how you learn them. Spend time in meditation, counting your blessings, contemplating God's love in God's great sacrifice. Why? You can sit down for 30 minutes and think about the cross, what Jesus did for you. That's Sabbath keeping. Take time for a healthful rest. She didn't say a five-hour sleep. But she said take a rest. Visit the widows and the orphans. You know, we've had some sad things happen in this church since I've been here. Have you ever thought on Sabbath, day, Sabbath afternoon, go visit those who are alone now or invite them home for a meal? This is Sabbath keeping. Encourage them. Pray with them. As parents, I read, entertain your children with spiritual activity. That doesn't mean get outside and throw the basketball into the loop and get on the bike and ride around plan for them. Jealously guard the edges of the Sabbath. The shoes ought to be shined before sundown. The baths should be taken. The food should be prepared as much as possible for the Sabbath day. What does it say? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Fellow believers, listen to this. The Lord said, it is a sign between me and you. I'm reading Exodus 31, 17. It is a sign between me and you and the children of Israel forever. If you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed. It's forever. Ezekiel 20, 20. Hallow my Sabbaths. They shall be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Exodus 31, 13. Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. And that's a must for heaven. Don't forget, the Sabbath is a sign of God's creative power. Wherever however manifested, be it in creation or in redemption. Because redemption is recreation. It requires the same power to redeem a man as it does to create a man. 
That's why in Psalms 51.10 it says, Create in me a clean heart. Or Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. When the Sabbath comes on Friday evening, as the sun goes down, God designates that they should remind us that Christ created us and by his grace and sanctifying power, he is fitting us for eternity. The Apostle John saw in the last day, at the end of time, a small group keeping the Sabbath day, and on their foreheads were written the Father's name, which represents the character of God. What is it? Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I ask you, in this coming crisis, are you going to be willing to die, if need be, for the Holy Sabbath day? Are you willing to stand up as Esther did and said, if I perish, I perish? Now is the time that we must learn to be obedient to this commandment. Now is the time that we must keep the holy Sabbath day if we are going to be sealed for eternity. I'd like to close with what the Lord himself said. Luke 21, 16 to 19. Ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall be put to death, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess your souls. Why? Christ will restore the life taken, for he is the life giver, and he will beautify the righteous with salvation and immortality. That's manuscript 21, page 40, 1897. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Keep the Sabbath day holy. Heavenly Father, may this be our prayer this morning. Forgive us, God, wherein we have broken the edges of the Sabbath. Forgive us, Lord, for being so asleep, following the traps of Satan. Oh, God, help us this very afternoon to keep the Sabbath holy. We ask in Jesus' name.